Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call.
our first quarter dividend demonstrates our confidence in the strength of our business and continued commitment to predictable, stable and sustainable shareholder returns. We maintained a net debt to EBITDA ratio of 0.2 times and completed the redemption of our 2021 senior notes in April, reducing our debt outstanding by $550 million with available cash. We also continue to invest in and develop our most profitable near-term projects, including Tanami Expansion 2, Ahafo North, the mining method change at Sabika Underground and Yanacocha Sulphides. Shifting now to safety and our continued focus on fatality prevention on slide five. More than a year ago, Newmont made a symbolic change stepping away from our industry's traditional use of a lagging personal injury rate in our bonus programs to measures that are focused on managing the critical controls that must be in place at all times to prevent fatalities. During the first quarter, we completed 65,000 conversations by leaders in the field that were focused on these critical controls. So actively identifying and managing potential risks that could lead to a fatality. This is an increase of nearly 60% since last quarter and demonstrates our commitment to the preventative measures we are implementing at Newmont. As another example, fatigue has been identified as a critical risk and is frequently a factor in our investigations into potentially fatal events. Fatigue has not been a traditional focus in our industry. Typically, it has been managed through administrative controls such as training and checklists. Or companies have looked to technology as a silver bullet to address the issue. At an organisational level, we knew we needed to do more. We needed to make fundamental changes to our rosters, start times and accommodation to reduce this significant risk exposure. We have recently completed the construction of new camp facilities as part of our Tanami 2 expansion. These facilities were designed to provide the opportunity for quality sleep and have greatly reduced commute times for our team members. We have also completed upgrades to camp facilities at Yanacocha, Edesquito, Cerro Negro and Miriam ensuring that our team members have the appropriate privacy and accommodation to get proper sleep. As a result of these investments in our camp facilities, along with our wellbeing programs around our global portfolio, we have seen an 80% reduction in fatigue-related incidents at Newmont since 2019. We will continue to make these changes to ensure that our team members can return home safely to their families at the end of their shift at work. Turning now to our portfolio on slide six. Among our 12 operating mines and two joint ventures, we have nine world-class assets, each of which delivers more than 500,000 gold equivalent ounces per year, at all its sustaining costs of less than $900 per ounce, and with a mine life exceeding 10 years. Importantly, all are located in top tier jurisdictions that we define as countries classified in the AMB ratings ranges by each of Moody's, S&P and Fitch. Underpinning our asset base are the industry's largest gold reserves, including 94 million ounces of gold and 65 million gold equivalent ounces from other metals. Our portfolio is also enhanced by the gold industry's best exploration pipeline of both greenfield and brownfield opportunities, managed through our proven integrated operating model. One of the benefits of this integration is that we do not reinvent the wheel and duplicate effort. For example, 
with the majority of our exploration activities occurring near existing operations, we have familiarity not only with the geology and terrain, but also the permitting, regulatory and community relationships surrounding each of our operations. We firmly believe that we have the best portfolio to generate sustainable returns from our world-class, responsibly managed assets located in the best gold mining jurisdictions. Turning to slide seven. Our portfolio will produce steady gold production of more than six million ounces per year through at least 2030, balanced across each of our four regions. This profile is then further enhanced by the production of more than one million gold equivalent ounces from silver, lead and zinc at Penasquito and copper at Boddington and Yanacocha. Combined, we will deliver nearly eight million gold equivalent ounces per year for the next decade, the most of any company in our industry. Moving to slide eight for a look at our project pipeline. Our project pipeline is unmatched in the gold industry and is one of the best in the mining industry. There is significant value to unlock as we optimise and advance our longer term projects and lay the pathway to steady production and cash flow well into the 2040s. As you can see, in addition to our highly prospective gold projects, we have significant organic exposure to gold copper porphyries, including Norte Vieto, Neve Union and Galore Creek. In fact, if you assume that just one of these three mega projects comes into our production profile at the back end of this decade, UMOC's total production would be around 15 to 20% copper, providing us a natural exposure to a metal of growing importance for reducing carbon emissions and facilitating the ongoing transition to a new energy economy. It's also important to note that this pipeline does not include the various laybacks that will also extend mine life at our current open pit operations, including Achin, CCNV and Porcupine. You will also see that we have added Toga to our project pipeline, another exciting gold copper asset that I'll cover in more detail on slide nine. In March, we announced the acquisition of GT Gold. The consolidation of this asset is a demonstration of UMOT's clear focus on our long-term strategy to build a portfolio of world-class assets located in the world's best mining jurisdictions. Our initial equity investment in GT Gold in 2019 was a stepping stone that enabled us to perform due diligence in the area and gain considerable insight into the potential of the Saddle North deposit and Totoga property. We are committed to continue building a constructive and respectful relationship with the Tautam Nation, including the community of Iskut. We understand and acknowledge that Tautam consent is necessary for advancing the Totoga project, and we will partner with the Tautam Nation at all levels and with the Government of British Columbia to ensure a shared path forward. The deposit will be developed as an underground mine with a block cave mining method. And in addition, access from the valley floor that you can see in this picture will also enable us to reach the ore body relatively quickly. A very important feature of this project is that the combination of an underground mine and an ability to leverage the hydropower infrastructure that's in place today will result in a low carbon intensity operation, supporting our industry leading greenhouse gas reduction targets. The Totoga project, including the primary Saddle North deposit, has the potential to contribute significant gold and copper annual production at attractive, all-in-sustaining costs over a long mine life.
In addition to the known deposits of Saddle North, there are further exploration opportunities throughout the land package. The acquisition of Totoga adds to Newmont's existing interest in this area and builds on our 50% ownership in the Galore Creek project. The transaction is expected to close in the second quarter and we look forward to providing updates on this highly prospective project in the future. With that, I'll hand it over to Rob to discuss our operational performance on slide 10. Thanks, Tom. Before I start, I'd like to recognise the very significant efforts that continue to be applied at all of our operations in order to manage COVID and to keep our teams safe and healthy. It is important to realise that this pandemic has some way to run and these efforts will need to continue for many months to come. Turning to slide 11, I'll give an update on Africa's performance. Our assets in Africa delivered another strong performance in the first quarter. Achim maintained its momentum from quarter four, delivering a strong first quarter from higher grade and improvements to the middle. We increased mill efficiency and overall plant performance during the first quarter, improving throughput by 3%, whilst also reducing energy consumption by 4%. These improvements are driven by full potential projects and are an example of how we continue to find innovative solutions even at our mature operations. The site is well positioned to deliver solid production throughout the year expecting to reach its highest production and lowest costs during the fourth quarter. A HAFO delivered higher surface tons mined due to mine sequencing improvements that resulted in an extra bench being mined at Awansu, helping to offset lower grade during the first quarter. We continue to progress the development of our new mining method at Subita, sub-level shrinkage, which will increase tonnage, improve productivities, and reduce mining costs. The team has commenced stoping ahead of schedule and we completed our first two ore blasts this month, a major milestone for the project. As the sub-level shrinkage project progresses during 2021, we expect to see improvements in grade throughout the year and a 50% increase in ore tons mined by the fourth quarter. In addition, we expect to reach higher ore grades from the open pit operations in the second half of the year, positioning the half hole to deliver a very strong finish in 2021. Finally, at a half north, we continue to advance the permitting process with the Ghanaian EPA. I'm pleased to announce that we have completed the environmental impact study and paid the invoice for the main permit this month, putting us on track for a full funds decision in July of this year after the receipt of the tailings permit. All other aspects of this project are proceeding well. Turning to South America on slide 12. South America has been the region most impacted by the virus, and we continue to see the most significant impacts in Argentina and Peru. We remain focused on our safety protocols to protect the health and well-being of our workforce and communities as we continue to mitigate the impacts of travel restrictions caused by the virus. We do expect impacts due to COVID to continue for some time until vaccinations are available and being administered in large quantities. Berrien was the best performing asset in South America. Despite heavy rainfall during the first quarter, which impacted productivity in the mine. The team continued to utilize an ore blending strategy to optimize mill performance, resulting in an increased tons process whilst maintaining stable grades. As the year progresses, Marion will transition from softer saprolite to harder ore, which will result in higher production through improved grades, but will be partially offset by lower mill throughput. At Serenegro, we have continued to work closely with government representatives and other key stakeholders as we manage our operations through the evolving pandemic. As we reviewed the number of COVID cases in the country and the increasing case numbers at our own site, we made the decision to temporarily suspend operations for five days in January and seven days in March to reduce the spread of the virus. While these decisions impact first quarter production, 
the health and safety of our workforce remains our first priority. And despite stoppages during the quarter, we've been able to resume development at San Marcos and make good progress on the tailing storage facilities expansion. Ferronegro continues to focus on safely ramping up site activities, increasing camp capacity, and appointing a new dedicated team to optimize the important and complex shift changes. Yanukovych has also experienced significant challenges due to COVID, and due to the pandemic, productivity will likely be impacted throughout the year. Despite the challenges from the virus, Yanukovych delivered higher grade material mined from the Catcher Main and Caratugo pits. These tons were placed on the leach pants during quarter one, which we expect to result in higher production in future quarters. In February, we decommissioned the oxide mill and completed our transition to leach-only operations as planned ahead of the development of Yanukovych sulfites, which will extend Yanukovych's operations well beyond 2040. We continue to advance the sulfites project and are currently working through our internal peer review process in preparation for full funds approval later in the second half of 2021. Yanukovych is a world-class asset in the UMOS portfolio with significant further prospectivity. And we look forward to bringing you this next chapter in Yanukovych's long history of profitable production. Turning to North America, slide 13. Penesquito delivered another strong performance and achieved record co-product sales of nearly 300,000 gold equivalent ounces in the first quarter due to higher grades and recoveries. The site also set a new monthly record for concentrate transport and shipping, loading and selling over 125,000 tons in March. Gold potential continues to deliver improvements to our mining and mill performance at Penisquito. And as an example, we've increased the average payload for our haul trucks by 17 tons per load. This translates to an additional 12 million tons moved per year for next to zero cost an increase of over 6%. The site is well positioned to remain a strong performer throughout 2021 and is also currently exploring our extensive land package for future development opportunities. CCB delivered lower grade and experienced geochemistry challenges during the first quarter and as a result, all that was planned to be milled was redirected to the leach pads. Great improvements are expected during the second half of the year, helping to offset the challenges experienced this quarter. At Muscle White, we continue to closely monitor the impacts from COVID in Ontario and have made the decision to temporarily suspend operations for five days in April to reduce the spread of the virus. Despite the impacts from COVID, which drove changes to the planned mining sequence, Grade and ore tons mine continued to improve over the prior quarter. We are also continuing our full potential work at Muscle White with the largest focus on increasing development rates and driving productivity as the year progresses. At Porcupine, ongoing ground control rehabilitation in the Hoyle Pond underground mine, coupled with mill and equipment maintenance, has resulted in more tons mined and processed during the quarter. We have begun the implementation of our full potential program at Porcupine, which will deliver efficiency improvements in the second half of the year. Eleanor continues to make strong improvements to performance and productivity, increasing underground development rates to an average of over 40 meters per day by the end of the first quarter. This is an improvement of 25% from 2020. In addition, the site has deployed tele-remote marking equipment for the first time, increasing tons mined, efficiencies, and the safety of our workforce. Eleanor will continue to be a stable contributor during 2021, as we expect it to deliver steady production increases from higher tons mined and processed throughout the year. It's also important to note that the site is making good progress in the fight against COVID and I'm pleased to report that 70% of Eleanor's workforce has been vaccinated so far. Turning to Australia on slide 14, 
Panamine delivered a consistent performance despite heavy rainfall, increasing ore tons mined during the quarter. For the rest of 2021, we will continue to monitor impacts of COVID on the Northern Territory due to the potential closure of state and territory borders, but we expect that production will steadily increase as grade improves throughout the year. In addition, the team continues to advance Tanamine Expansion 2, supporting the site's future as a long-life, low-cost and very efficient producer. We recently completed construction of the camp facilities and the excavation of the upper section of the production shaft, putting us on track to deliver significant ounce, cost and efficiency improvements in the first half of 2024. At Boddington, we delivered a solid quarter in line with our expectations and full-year guidance. Plan maintenance was completed during the first quarter, ensuring the plan continues to perform at high levels. As we head into the second half of the year, as highlighted in our previous guidance, we expect to achieve higher grades, improved throughput, and increased ore tons mined due to efficiencies from autonomous haulage and improved mill processing. As you can see in the picture, we are well on our way to operating the world's first open-pit gold mine with an autonomous truck loop, and I will provide more details on the project in slide 15. I'm pleased to announce that the first Boddington AHS haul trucks went live in March of this year, and we have successfully started the first phase of our transition to a fully autonomous haulage fleet, which will improve safety and extend mine life at one of our core assets. Today, we are operating four trucks, hauling ore from stockpiles to the crusher, and have four additional trucks completing the final testing. We expect to expand the use of autonomous units in the pit during the second quarter, deploying the entire fleet of 36 trucks by the end of September. As a reminder, the AHS project was approved in February of 2020, meaning the project was planned constructed and able to achieve first production in just over a year. Being on track to deliver this project on time and on budget will be a huge accomplishment, especially during a global pandemic. And I'd like to thank our team at Bonington and our partners at Caterpillar, including their dealership Westrack, for their ongoing dedication and drive during such an unprecedented time. We have received very strong support from Caterpillar throughout the project, and we look forward to working together on future endeavors. In addition to the exceptional delivery of this project, we have already seen strong performance over the last month from these machines and the operating team. The fleet has been running non-stop since going live in bin barge, eliminating stoppages from shift changes, meal and toilet breaks, fatigue breaks, which increases its productivity. And already, the new vehicles have reached their first major milestone, moving over a million tons in less than six weeks. It's also worth noting the significant productivity improvements that we will achieve with this fleet will also translate to lower fuel costs and consumption, reducing our carbon emissions at Boddington and supporting Newmont's climate initiatives. But most importantly, the use of these autonomous trucks reduces the exposure that our workforce has to potential vehicle interactions, helping us to further reduce fatality risks and to ensure that our team members return home safely at the end of their shift at work. The implementation of the industry's first autonomous haulage fleet will be a major milestone for Newmont and the gold industry as a whole. We will look to replicate this technology, training, and experience at other sites around the globe, leveraging our team of experts and the lessons that we've learned at Boddington. And we will also look to integrate further autonomous solutions, both at future open pit and underground mining, as we plan and develop the assets in our project pipeline, ensuring that these important improvements to safety and productivity are applied across the global business. And with that, I'll hand it over to Nancy on slide 16. Thanks, Rob. Turning to slide 17 for the financial highlights. During the first quarter, Newmont delivered solid results with $2.9 billion in revenue, 
an increase of nearly $300 million from the prior year quarter, driven by higher metal prices. Adjusted net income of $594 million, or 74 cents per diluted share. Adjusted EBITDA of nearly $1.5 billion, an increase of 30% from the prior year quarter. And strong free cash flow of $442 million, which includes unfavorable working capital changes of over $325 million in the first quarter, primarily driven by nearly $400 million of tax payments attributable to 2020. We declared a first quarter dividend of 55 cents per share, or $2.20 per share on an annualized basis, demonstrating our continued commitment to sustainable returns and consistent with our fourth quarter dividend. Our dividend puts Newmont in the top quartile of the S&P large cap dividend payers and provides a yield of approximately 3.5% on our current share price. Turning to slide 18 for a review of our adjusted earnings per share in more detail. First quarter gap net income from continuing operations was $538 million, or 67 cents per share. Adjustments included 14 cents related to the unrealized mark-to-market losses on equity investments measured as of March 31st. Five cents primarily related to our sale of our interest in TMAX, which closed in January of this year. One cent related to reclamation or remediation adjustments at historical mining sites and three cents related to tax adjustments and valuation allowance. Taking these adjustments into account, we reported first quarter adjusted net income of 74 cents per diluted share, an increase of 34 cents over the prior year quarter. One difference from 2020 that we would like to point out is that adjustments to net income do not include $21 million of incremental COVID costs. Adjusting for these costs would have resulted in two cents of additional net income in the first quarter, and we expect these costs to continue throughout the year as we protect against the impacts of the pandemic at our operational sites. Turning now to slide 19. Using our conservative $1,200 gold price assumption, Newmont expects to generate $3.5 billion of free cash flow over a five-year period. In addition, for every $100 increase in gold prices above our base assumption, Newmont delivers $400 million of incremental attributable free cash flow per year. Newmont is the only company in the gold mining industry with the ability to generate these levels of attributable free cash flow, enabling us to maintain flexibility in our balance sheet for debt repayments and opportunistic M&A, in addition to providing industry-leading shareholder returns. Turning to slide 20 for more details about our dividend. Our dividend framework provides shareholders with a stable base annualized dividend of $1 per share at a $1,200 gold price, along with the potential to receive 40 to 60% of the incremental attributable free cash flow generated at gold prices above our plan. This range provides Newmont with the flexibility to maintain a stable and consistent dividend payout, even when there are fluctuations in gold price. We will continue to review our dividend each quarter with management and our board, evaluating gold prices and new month's projected performance semi-annually to give us maximum flexibility in determining our dividend within the framework. The first quarter dividend declared yesterday was consistent with our fourth quarter dividend, calibrated at an $1,800 gold price assumption and a conservative 40% distribution of incremental free cash flow. Our dividend framework continues to be our primary vehicle for returning cash to our investors, and Newmont continues to lead the industry in shareholder returns, delivering $4.50 per share through dividends and share buybacks since 2019. Turning to slide 21, we continue to drive the business with our clear capital allocation priorities, which include reinvesting in our business through discipline investments and exploration in organic growth projects, returning cash to shareholders, and maintaining our financial strength and flexibility. During the first quarter, we delivered on each of these priorities with our investments in the first autonomous haulage fleet in the gold mining industry, improving safety and productivity at Boddington, progressing our profitable reinvestment in the business at the Tanami expansion and advancing a Hapo North 
and anticochin sulfides. Announcing the acquisition of GT Gold. Maintaining our industry-leading dividend of $2.20 per share on an annualized basis and announcing a new $1 billion share buyback program. We chose not to repurchase shares during the first quarter and continue to monitor up for opportunities. Maintaining a net debt to EBITDA ratio of 0.2 times and completing the redemption of our 2021 senior notes in April. Reducing our debt outstanding by $550 million with available cash. And maintaining financial flexibility with the completion of a $3 billion sustainability-linked revolving credit facility, one of the first in our industry and a demonstration of our commitment to leading ESG practices. Under the new facility, the company will incur pricing adjustments on drawn balances based on sustainability performance criteria, measured through ratings published by MSCI and S&P Global, aligning our financial strategies and our ESG performance. As we look ahead to the second quarter, we are confident in our ability to continue delivering strong results and free cash flow to maintain our disciplined approach to capital allocation. With that, I'll hand it back to Tom on slide 22. Thanks, Nancy. And turning to slide 23. UMont continues to be the world's leading gold company. And I am confident that our world-class portfolio and robust project pipeline have positioned UMont to deliver on our commitment of creating value and improving lives through sustainable and responsible mining. With that, I'll turn it over to the operator and open the line for questions. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your touchtone phone. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the key. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. At this time, we will pause momentarily to assemble our roster. And the first question will come from Fahad Tariq of Credit Suite. Please go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking my two questions. Um, first, it sounds like across the portfolio, a consistent theme is second half-weighted production. But I'm trying to figure out how much of that is sequencing and grade-driven and how much of it is some of the South American COVID issues that you mentioned uh, and, and also the muscle white uh, COVID issue that you mentioned. So any color there would be helpful, the grades versus kind of COVID impact in the first half. Thanks, Fahad. Good morning. Um, the, the, the needle movers in our portfolio are a half-way Boddington and Penasquito. Penasquito on gold production is pretty flat through the, the 12 months, roughly 50-50, first half to second half. What's going to really move um, the dial in the second half is uh, mine sequencing and grade at both Boddington and a half-way. So Boddington, uh, we've been uh, laying back the, the fifth way back of the south bit of Boddington now for three and a half years in the second half. We uh, get access to the high-grade gold and copper and the benefit of autonomous haulage, which will be um, fully implemented by, um, by the second half. So you'll see that flow, flow through in the, in the second half as we get to that high grade. And at a half a combination of the, um, the new underground mining method, sublevel shrinkage will bring through more volume um, and improved grade, and then you've got improved grade from uh, the Sabika open pit as well. So. It's largely mine secrets and grade driven, um, and, uh, and it's, it's those three operations that really will deliver on the, the, that second half performance. Okay, great. That, that's clear. Um, and just uh, my second question there was a media article this morning talking about the GT Gold uh, Totoga project and uh, the local indigenous groups perhaps, you know. Uh, not really being open to uh, the project. Maybe talk about the approach there more specific than, like historically, what levers has Mimont used to kind of get that buy-in? Thanks. Yeah, thanks for hard. So our relationship with the Taltan actually started several years ago with um, with our acquisition of 50% of the Galore Creek project um, in that part of British Columbia. So we have uh, established relationships that we look to grow and build on with the with all um, all representatives of the, the Taltan Nation and. 
when you look back at our long history um, of um, social responsibility, it is very much founded on building those relationships, um, understanding um, issues and concerns and how we, we can work together. So we, uh, we, fully, we fully understand, we fully acknowledge that we will need Taltan consent um, to advance that project and we will be endeavouring to work with them respectfully um, and engage with uh, the leadership of those, those various communities to find a shared pathway forward. Uh, and that is very much the approach that, that Newmont takes wherever we're working in the world. Okay, thank you. Thanks for that. The next question comes from Tyler Langton of J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Yeah, good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, I guess just to start with um, sort of Peru and Indiana culture, I guess there seems you know, potentially some sort of uh, increasing political risk there. I guess, I mean, you, you obviously some time before a full funds decision, but I guess, you know, do those developments kind of give you any pause? And could you also just remind us, um, you know, do you have any sort of stability agreements when it comes to sort of taxes and royalties or sort of or other rights? Thanks, Tyler, and good morning. The, um, I mean, we've been we've been in, operating in Peru for for 30 years. We've been we basically were in Peru before democracy was was in place, and so we've we've lived and worked through what has been a colourful um, uh, democracy uh, in Peru's um, modern uh, history. And this is just another chapter in in that uh, that journey. So we will monitor the presidential elections carefully um, and, and how the, how the uh, how the congress and, a, and ultimately the new president work together uh, we have had a very successful 30 years in peru when we think about making investments like yanacocha sulfides we think about making investments which for for a project like sulfides is literally for decades with the quality of the sulfide deposit um, in around that yanacocha property so we'll look at we'll look and understand these events coming up in the next month or two um, that will factor into our, our, um, our process of um, internal discussions with our board and our joint venture partners. And then ultimately I, I look forward to being able to make a full plus decision and to progress sulphides and to have that uh, delivering uh, great returns for Newmont shareholders and the community in around Kahamaka for a long, long time to come. Okay, that's, that's helpful. And then um, just switching to Penasquito, I guess, you know, sort of production you know, kind of did, you know, quite well in the quarter uh, in both, you know, sort of cash costs um, and all the staining costs were, you know, sort of a decent amount below sort of the annual guide. Could you just kind of remind us, you know, your expectations for, you know, that mine for the year and kind of what, what to kind of expect um, in, the, in the following quarters? Yeah, I might get, uh, get Rob to provide some colour on that. It's pretty, it's pretty steady performance, um, and we certainly look at – it's a polymetallic mine, so we certainly look at um, developing that mine – and managing on the basis of the, the four metals that it's producing. Um, but it's a steady, pretty steady performance through the year, Rob, if you want to provide a bit more colour to Tom. Yeah. Thanks, Taylor. And I, I'd really just back up what Tom said, is that, uh, you know, it, the best way to describe Penasquito is, is steady performance, uh, that, uh, you know, where we get uh, good gold, uh, one quarter we go into other elements, uh, another quarter. But... The key thing about Penasquito is that the mill is performing well, the mine is performing well, the team is performing well and managing COVID as well as possible in a country which has uh, suffered uh, huge impacts due to the pandemic. But uh, it really is going to be a very steady but a successful year of Penasquito. Okay, perfect. Thanks so much. Thanks, Sarah. The next question comes from Josh Wilson of RBC. Please go ahead. Thanks. Um, so for the 2021 outlook, uh, uh, the comment, I guess, is, is that there's the assumption of no major COVID interruptions. Um, you, you know, you, the, the commentary on the call earlier was such that there's there's obviously a higher degree of interruptions in, in South America and then, and then a, a, a brief stoppage, I guess, at Muscle White. Uh, you know, how would sort of those interruptions compare to, to some of the, the caveats within guidance? Thanks, uh, Josh, and good morning. I think, we, I think we've certainly seen um, a number of impacts of both the Anacocha and Sierra Negra. And it's, it's Peru and Argentina across our portfolio of eight countries where we've seen the greatest impact from, from COVID. We get 
better and better and better at managing our, our protocols. As Bob mentioned at Sierra Negra, I've now a dedicated team managing ship changes, uh, which is a very, very complex process in Argentina. Then how you're doing all your, your screening and monitoring and ensuring that you're bringing up the workforce uh, in for their ship that, um, that, are, that are clear of the virus and, and, and quarantine if we do have a, have a case. So it's really monitoring those two operations. Uh, Mexico's, uh, as a country, is, is, is still struggling with, with the virus, uh, but we've got very, very good protocols in place throughout that country. Um, the United States, fortunately, is, um, is starting to really turn the tide. We've seen the, the recent events in, in Ontario. I'm confident that the Canadian government will, will address those. Uh, through Australia and, uh, and Ghana, we're seeing that the, the, the pandemic uh, managed very, very well. So I think we're still going to, to need to be, have a chronic unease and be continuing to maintain the discipline around our protocols. Uh, as vaccines become available, encouraging our workforce to take the vaccines, supporting the governments where we can for all that out so that we can have an improving trend over time. So uh, I, I believe we've got the, the protocols and the discipline in place be able to manage uh, COVID and maintain our guidance through the course of this year. Great, thank you. And then just maybe um, uh, a question on, on some of the trends we're seeing. You know, we've seen commentary, at least from, from maybe not as much the gold sector, but other resource companies about labor tightness in certain regions. And then obviously with higher commodity prices globally, uh, you know, is there any commentary you could provide on, on what trends you're seeing across the portfolio on, um, on labor and, and costs? Thanks, Josh. Monitoring that closely, um, labour costs make up about 50% of our cost base. Uh, that includes contracted services. We, we include an assumption for labour escalation in our budgets and then we flow that through to our guidance, so we've got some provision for that. The key indicator, leading indicator I look for in, in seeing whether we may be seeing some wage pressure is uh, voluntary attrition. Uh, it's pretty healthy across our business. Um, in some ways, our, our response to the pandemic and, and the fact that we chose and we continue to choose to manage the health and safety of our workforce and local communities above everything else has, has served us well in terms of the support that we have from, from our workforce. Um, the, the areas that I've been monitoring more closely on, um, on, on labour, risk of labour escalations, Australia, pretty hot iron ore market, as you see, Iron ore prices uh, hit an all-time high. A West Australian government that is that is locking borders and encouraging the workforce to come from within that state, which puts pressures on on the um, the supply of labour. Uh, we're very we're very fortunate. Um, we've got very robust uh, workplaces at both Boddington and, and Tanami. Uh, good leadership, um, healthy levels of attrition, and uh, projects like autonomous haulage uh, just mitigate that risk significantly. Where um, where your truck fleet and, and, uh, and our labour force of truck fleet is uh, one of your greatest sources of labour. So uh, monitoring it carefully, um, but the uh, voluntary attrition numbers are leading indicator is still pretty healthy across our business. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Josh. The next question comes from Greg Barnes of TD Security. Please go ahead. Yes, thank you. Tom, I guess this is a higher level question, but when I look at your portfolio of mega projects, as you called them earlier on, it's pretty striking how much copper is there. And you said you know you could see yourself getting to 20% copper exposure over time. Is that a conscious decision over the longer term to diversify uh, the production base somewhat? Or is it a function of the projects that are available to you that look attractive to you, that you are adding to the yeah. portfolio like Totoga? Yeah, thanks, Greg. It's, it's it's still very much a clear focus on on gold as as, as the core of our business. Um, but organically, we are seeing that as you look for the best gold projects, they come with particularly when you when you look at our world class definition and look for those long life uh, projects, and you look for those projects in the jurisdictions we're prepared to work in. They come with um, they come with copper, so it's more of an organic benefit uh, from that clear focus on you know, the right size projects in the right jurisdiction. So uh, the Toga project has some nice copper with it. The Anacocha has some nice copper with it. And several of those mega projects, uh, particularly um, Never Union on the Lord Creek, bring with them um, 
uh, some, some nice copper. So it's, it's more of a, an added benefit. It's, as, as we say, it's going to come on at a nice time when the world goes through their, their energy transition. And just on Katoga, when I look at the acquisition price, and if I assume you used $1,200 long-term gold, that would have implied a pretty healthy long-term copper price. How did you approach the acquisition price for GT? I don't know. I've got um, Eric sitting opposite me here who's, um, who's, who's shepherded that one through. So why don't I get Eric just to, to give you a bit of colour on that, Greg? Yeah, Greg, <clears throat> we... we Obviously, we'll look at multiple price scenarios. So, 1,200 would have been one of them. Our base copper price um, at the time, I think, was was 275. Obviously, the the copper price and the, the outlook is is quite strong. So, we didn't have a single case that we looked at. As as you pointed out, there's a fair bit of copper, there's a fair bit of gold. So, it's really the interplay of of the the two metals across different scenarios. Um, as we've I think highlighted, we we see potential for Totoga to be a world-class asset for us. And that means a, a long life, uh, pretty significant production at, at good cost. Tom pointed out on the call the, the geometry is pretty attractive to an efficient block cave. And so all of that was was attractive to us when, when making the acquisition. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, congratulations on those trucks at uh, Boddington. I love the color. Hope to see them one day. Um, just wanted to uh, have a few questions, if I could. I um, wanted to follow up on um, Josh's question on, on inflation. Um, you talked about the workforce, um, Tom, in terms of watching you know, movement there. Can you talk a little bit about if you're seeing any inflation in your capital or costs from steel and or other materials? Please, thank you. Thanks, Tanya. Good morning. Um, so materials and energy, if labor makes up 50%, materials and energy is the next 30 to 40%. Um, and again, we, we leverage our global portfolio to enter into long-term contracts. Um, and strategic relationships with suppliers. So that goes a long way to mitigating the impacts of near-term inflation where we've got rise and fall built into those contracts and, and stability. So it's a very important part of, of the new month story and the strength of our, our, our portfolio on how we look to run our business. Um, we are seeing um, some pressure on steel generally um, around grinding media that we're watching carefully and some pressure on freight. Uh, particularly with, as you see the, the the amount of concentrate that we move out of um, out of Penasquito. so we're watching those carefully. Um, in terms of capital projects, um, the we've, we've already accounted for a lot of that in, in terms of the Panama expansion and the, and the move to Australian steel. So that's that's been taken up in in, in previous updates to guidance. As we move into a half a north. Um, a lot of the work for the once we get the full funds approval for the next 12 to 18 months is earthworks, um, and then and then the, and then the, the uh, civil works before you start to bring in your, your steel. So we're, we're confident that with the estimates that we've got, what we'll bring forward for full funds is um, it's going to account for any any uh, escalation around steel. And similarly, as um, as we start to to button up Yanacocha sulphide, go through our internal peer reviews and ultimately bring that forward for full funds. We are including in our estimates and in the contingencies um, um, estimates for where, where steel may move. So uh, we, do, we do anticipate there will be some pressure on steel for those capital projects and making sure we account for that in, 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 in the budgets that we put forward for full funds approval. Okay. And, and nothing in cyanide at all? You're not seeing any, any, any inflation pressures there? No, okay. Um, okay, great. Thanks for that. And I guess just a continuation on, on uh, the, the themes that I, I keep asking. Maybe just an update on any um, changes of royalties, taxation in any jurisdictions that you operate in that you're hearing of, including the U.S. No, no, it's all, it's all. Um, I mean, it's, again, it's a key feature of um, our strategies where we choose to, where we choose to have our operations. That brings with it a lot of stability around um, our investment agreements, whether in place or royalty regimes. So, 
Uh, we're not seeing any pressure on that front across our jurisdictions. Okay. And then just my last question before I hand it over to someone else is um, just wanted to make sure that, um, you know, the guidance that you provided uh, with your Q4 release, which was that production was going to be 47, 48% expected in the first half and 52, 53 in the second half still is, is intact? It is. I'd say I would look more to 47 in the first half and 53 in the second half. And it's, it's going to be dominated by a half bow in Boddington reaching, reaching the greater volumes and higher grade. So as you move through the third quarter into the fourth and that second half. So I'd, I'd, I'd sort of factor in 47, 53. Okay. And, and if I could squeeze just one more in, just that I was intrigued about the vaccination, 70% at Eleanor. Um, just maybe if you could share any other minds that you have where you have, you know, your vaccination for COVID is, is actually very well. I didn't hear anything about Africa, so just wondered if you could share just a bit more colour on that. Yes, sure, Tanya. So we're, we're certainly encouraging the rollout in, in Ontario, um, and um, I'm sure you're living, living that experience right now. Um, so doing what we can do to, to support the rollout for our, our muscle-like porcupine operations. Cripple Creek and Victor, um, certainly seen the rollout in Colorado. We've been setting up clinics for our, our workforce and their families and continue to do that and provide access to vaccines and, and lots of education and encouragement around the, the efficacy of these, these vaccines. Through Peru, um, Argentina and, um, and Mexico, Suriname, a much longer road to home. Um, so so we, we must maintain those protocols. Vaccines will come and we will support that we work on the expectation that's still many, many months off. Australia need to get their act together um, and get the vaccines rolled out um, and look forward to that, uh, that increasing um, over time um, so that uh, one, one, we can drop those interstate borders that are, that are impacting on, on mining operations and then open up international borders to allow, allow that, that country to go up again. And in Ghana, I think we're starting to see some, some, some rollout of vaccines. Some clinics already at our, our sites in Ghana. So again, looking to work with the Ghanaian government for the rollout. It's going to be a long process, um, uh, tenure, I think, before, before the world is fully vaccinated. So I think we're going to be living with hygiene regimes, social distancing and masks for, for a long time to come in our operations. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. The next question comes from Mike Jelanin of Bank of America. Please go ahead. Oh, hi, Tom. Uh, clearly, I need to go work at uh, Eleanor to get vaccinated and uh, here in Canada. But uh, just uh, following along Greg's question with your three big copper gold projects, I'm seeing a number of juniors with gold, big gold copper projects, uh, gold, copper gold projects, and got mark counts of a billion plus. Just wondering, how does Newmont service value in these projects? I don't know if much of Nova Union, Notre Alberto, or Glor Creek are much in your share price. Correct me if I'm wrong. Just wondering what steps you could take. Thanks. Yes, thanks, Mark, and good morning. Um, we're, we're working on it in, in the same way that we did an expiration webcast earlier this year, and we'll, we'll certainly look to, to do an ESG webcast on the back of our, our new uh, sustainability report. Um, in, in the coming months, we're working on providing some more details and maybe doing so through uh, another webcast. We can have a little bit more time and provide some, some details and colour on those projects, as well as some of the other projects that, are, that sit in our organic project pipeline, um, so that we can lift the level of understanding and the appreciation that we have of those projects and how we can sequence them in and, then, and why we are so confident about our business over the over the next several decades. Uh, on Sunday, we turn 100, um, and we've got, uh, we've got through our organic project pipeline an ability to see well into our next century. So we're excited about it, and I think that's an opportunity for us to, to provide the investment community with some more details on that. Okay, thanks, and uh, happy birthday. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I'll blow out a candle for you. Next question comes from Anita Sunny of CIBC. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, so, firstly, I want to commend you guys on uh, on your initiative to reduce risk uh, around um, fatigue. I know that that is actually a, a real risk. So, what made me leave engineering about 18 years ago, and sadly, after I left, um, 
someone died at Batu Hiju uh, because he worked back-to-back shifts. So um, commend you on that. Uh, but related to that question, could you could you give us um, an idea of uh, if there's any kind of cost that we should expect associated with those kinds of initiatives? Thanks, Senator, and good morning. The, I mean, we, you are seeing it incorporated into our, our guidance around sustaining capital, and in some instances with Tanami expansion too, it's in the in the development capital. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's part of those those plans to um, to build uh, to build additional camp facilities. Um, Yanacocha sulphides will have included in its scope. Um, in fact, probably some early uh, lead time items. Uh, Additional camp facilities to allow people to um, to have their own room and their own their own bed. Um, so it's it's accommodated within our um, trillion dollars a year of sustaining capital um, and the the six to eight hundred million dollars on average on development capital. Um, so that's it's it's not big money in the overall scheme of things. It's about having the intent and the will to do something in this space. Um, in terms of productivity improvements around start and finish times and ensuring that fatigue breaks. Uh, the length of shifts, number of consecutive shifts, the length of time that someone can work. In my experience, um, you will have that payback in dividends many times over by getting the right level of rest amongst your workforce so that they are working productively productively when they're at work. So the, the things we're doing around rosters, start times and the like will improve our productivity um, over time, is my expectation, rather than be a, a cost to the business. Uh, second question, a little bit more uh, in the detail. On Cerro Negro, the grades um, went down a little bit. I'm just wondering how we can expect that to play out over the course of the year, and what was the reason? I mean, are you using stockpiles right now, and then you'll return once once you can get, I guess, the mining rates up uh, from direct access, is my guess. I just don't know. If, I don't have the color on that. Thanks, Peter. I'll get uh, Rob to pick that question up. Yeah, hi, Anita. Very, fairly straightforward. It's... Uh, because of COVID, because of the absences, you know, the production from our higher grade stopes at uh, Marianas Norte and Eureka were lower uh, and limited uh, because of the lack of development. So it's purely a sequencing uh, due to lack of employees. But uh, those are the areas that we're most focused on. And, uh, you know, the workforce is back working. Uh, we're nearly at full rate. So hopefully, uh, you know, in the coming months, we'll see that turn around. But it was just a, a timing issue due to uh, lack of employees. Okay. And then lastly, more of a big, question, big picture question, perhaps, um, uh, for Nancy. Um, just looking at your um, your dividend payout ratio um, and that we're, you know, just currently sitting slightly below, but you do have a good uh, on-gold price, but do you do have a good cash balance. Can you... Give us an idea if, um, you know, if, if we're thinking about downside risk on gold price, you know, um, how, do, how do you how do you play it, like uh, sort of play with the cash balance that you have? I noticed that, it's, you know, uh, prior to these gold prices, it was sort of sitting around three billion as the, as the cash balance you wanted. Would you, would you think about, um, you know, sort of reducing that cash balance as needed um, if gold price dips uh, for the same period to maintain yeah, that dividend? So, yeah. Thanks for the question, Anita. Yeah, we said in, in prior times that at a $1,200 gold price, we would like to keep around a $2.5 to $3 billion cash balance. We are certainly carrying significantly more than that today, but I do think that's a testament to a couple things. One is our ability to be very nimble with the dividend, and there's a, we provided a very, very clear framework and a lot of transparency about the optionality between that 40 and 60%. So there's some, some great points about that. And then the other piece is we are still in a time of very much uncertainty around COVID, and we also have a lot of development capital. So I think carrying considerably higher balances than that at today's gold prices is is a great strategy for us, but certainly a lot of optionality and flexibility around those balances, which is what we've consistently stated. And Anita, maybe to to build on that, we we look with our board back over a long period of time at gold prices and the cash was actually generated. And that, that factored into our decision to step up and calibrate at the $1,800 mark and under-return 40, 40% of that cash. So the stability um, and sustainability of our dividend is, um, is very robust. Um, so we didn't make that decision to go to the $1,800 mark lightly. Um, and our expectation would be, when we look forward to our portfolio and our performance, that we can, we can sustain uh, those levels for some time.
And just lastly, I know it does say in your disclosure that it does already include uh, your free cash flow projections include a Hoffo North and uh, Yana Coaches Sulfides. And uh, just wanted to confirm that that um, you know any lumpiness in those uh, in those uh, spends would also be in- included within that eighteen hundred dollar forty to sixty and, and those two yeah. projects. Absolutely. All right, thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Anita. And I think that's the end of the questions that we can see in the queue, and I'm conscious we've gone past the top of the hour. So thank you all for your time. Um, Please, and I know a number of you are are, are in Toronto and Ontario at the moment and and likely still in lockdown, so please, everyone, stay stay safe and well, and we look forward to seeing you and speaking to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.